Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the muddy bottom of an open grave, I'll be your host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, our co-host and resident crypt keeper, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going there, buddy? David, 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 I'm doing well. How about yourself? I, I could use a hand up out of this rotten old grave. Mr. You could use a hand. How about two? <laughs> you doing okay over there? You gonna be able to do that the entire time? <laughs> I can't. I'm just. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. This does not happen very often. I'm just. <laughs> I'm I think Sean's found his spirit animal in the crypt keeper. Oh, he is the best. <laughs> a crypt keeper lives inside all of us, whether you knew it or not, waiting to burst out <laughs> through your fleshy skin. No, we're going to be talking about, believe it or not, the animated series Tales from the Crypt Keeper. I did not know that they took the HBO live-action like horror anthology show and turned it into a show for kids, a cartoon for kids. Thanks, CBS Saturday Morning Cartoons. Oh, boy. Now, this is the one that you found out because you were researching the CBS Morning Cartoon block, right? Right. Correct. And, yeah, it's just bizarre. I, I had no, we've, we've watched some weird cartoons that when you look at them all together, you're like, how the hell this form <laughs> a cartoon blog for kids on saturday mornings it's some of the weirdest stuff we had uh we had teenage mutant ninja turtles a couple of weeks ago we just had the animated version of ace ventura <sighs> yeah and now crypt keeper because of course because Why not? of course you know you, you you look at all of these all of this intellectual property that came out in the 90s mm-hmm. things that had either been movies or had been stories and comic books in the the 80s for teenage mutant ninja turtles sure and these these things had a a following that they hoped to bring to a younger audience through the vehicle of a cartoon and, and it's very interesting to watch this cbs saturday morning cartoon block and say was it actually successful <laughs> or like, what yeah was this a good idea like, are you who, sure did you think who, this through who got business drunk and was like Let's make some real serious money decisions right now. Oh, apparently about... it was Morgan Creek and Nelvana. Uh, those, those two companies probably got together and were like, yeah, kids cartoon. Super simple. <sighs> I mean, but in it... some cases I get it. And in some cases I really have no idea. Look, I mean, if, you, if you've got a property and it's doing pretty well, because as we'll talk about tonight, the, the live action Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt, um, was actually running at the same time as this cartoon. So at least it was happening kind of hand in hand. It wasn't years after the fact or it wasn't like a quick cash grab or it was just it was just extra and you still right. see that with like production companies today if they own a piece of ip they will pump it out through every channel that they have every channel that they have whether that's toys now mobile apps video games movies tv shows cartoons comic books whatever any branch of merchandising that's available to them <laughs> they will take it and run with it if they've got the capital to do so so it makes sense and uh i think some versions are better than others this one for me was actually kind of surprising how decent it was it wasn't the worst thing we've ever seen which is okay nice. we're, we're oddly because we 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 did not discuss our feelings or opinions before the show right i didn't know where sean was landing on this one we are on the same page okay cool this. that's cool this this was surprisingly okay yeah well we'll talk about kind of the tone they were going for and how you know what worked and what didn't because it wasn't a straight up horror it wasn't for like an older generation uh, or even older kids. It was it was a funny kind of cartoon with some, not scary moments, but a little more um, <laughs> creature effects and uh, 
you know, some little PSAs thrown in here and there. But getting ahead of ourselves, Sean has a, a brief history of the show that we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight. Sure. Tales from the Crypt Keeper was a children's animated series made by Nelvana Limited that ran on ABC and later CBS for 39 episodes over three seasons. Now, the three seasons is important because the first two seasons ran between 1993 to 94 and then took a five-year hiatus because in 1999, somebody felt the need to reboot this with the new tales from the Crypt Keeper. He'd just been, he'd just been like rotting in a grave for those five years and just getting more and more <laughs> right. decrepit. Just decrepit. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Did we just jinx that? We jinxed it. Sorry, that's it. We can't talk for the rest of the podcast. Oh, You're just going to be boy. listening to 59 minutes of silent air. Of us breathing. <laughs> but if you're not familiar with uh, Tales from the Crypt, which is a live action HBO show, that was, like I said, live action. It was a horror anthology every probably like Sunday night. I don't even remember when it was. I used to watch this with my dad, which I'll get into in a little bit. <clears throat> but the host of it was this creepy ass puppet character called the Crypt Keeper. And he looked like an actual like corpse that you had dug up from the ground. Like there wasn't yes. much flesh left on him. He was very skeletal. One eye was kind of bulging out more than the other. His hair was like white and stringy. Uh, you could like see through patches of his, of his skin on his face. And he was a creepy looking dude. And he had that incredible laugh that Sean uh, did a very good um, approximation of earlier. You can rewind it and listen to that again if you'd like. You are way too kind. He'll do it again later on the show, I'm sure. Whether I ask him to or not. Uh, no, it was really good. I can't do that. And uh, the cool thing is we got the guy that did the Crypt Keeper to actually uh, step in and do the Crypt Keeper for the cartoon as well, which is pretty right. cool. So this cartoon was based on that live action horror anthology show, and they actually aired at the same time. Uh, but that was on HBO. So the cartoon, which aired, you know, Saturday morning cartoons on network TV, either ABC or CBS, significantly milder uh, than that version. And all the blood and gore were just completely removed uh, in order to focus on these younger audiences, which makes sense. Um, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. This wasn't like, we weren't watching like uh, MTV's Liquid Television or anything like that. It was definitely a Saturday morning cartoon crowd. Right. So a couple questions. Did you watch the live-action version? I had similar memories in the fact that you had watched it with your father. I watched it with mine as well. It's weird that we didn't watch it with our moms. I feel like it's not a mom show. I feel like this is absolutely not a mom show if you were watching it on HBO. And it, it came on so late at night. Right. That when, uh, when I was with my dad, and he was uh, dad weekend warrioring it, yeah. he would be like, "Do you want to stay up to? Do you want to stay up to midnight and watch Tales from the Crypt?" And like, yeah, I th- I think I was eleven or twelve. Uh, yeah, probably around that time. Yeah, at the time, and I was like, "Shit, yeah, I want to want to stay up till midnight and watch the show because it was it had, it would it had been like nothing I'd ever seen on television before. No, it wasn't. Yeah." You know, the, this sort of non sequitur from episode to episode. Right. Uh, you know, horror. Yeah, because it was I, like segments, right? Weren't they like segments within yes. the show itself? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really had no idea sort of what to expect. And, you know, and I will say this, you know, for, uh, for a lot of the young uh, horror filmmakers who were kind of coming up and, and doing a lot of things, it gave them the opportunity to sort of showcase uh, potentially some, some skills that they had. Some, yeah, definitely. You know, whether it was through direction or writing. Uh, it was an opportunity and felt like it was a vehicle to kind of promote people uh, who wanted to do that type of work. Right. And it still remains, I mean, horror, horror and like sci-fi horror still remains one of my favorite genres of, of things to kind of get into and watch. And um, I feel like the 90s with Tales from the Crypt had a significant impact on people 
in that industry that wanted to do that. And I kind of feel thankful for that. Yeah, definitely. And I, honestly, I love all these uh, anthology shows. So whether you grew up watching like the classic Twilight Zone or um, Outer Limits, which was a similar thing, or if you watched, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, if you watch, oh, the other one just escaped me. There was another one that was similar. Uh, but then definitely Tales from the Crypt. I mean, that was more of like the horror angle and less the sci-fi. And this was like a fairly good, gory adult horror too. I remember as I was watching it with my dad, like as soon as it would end, he'd have to be like, all right, time for bed. Got to get out of here. Time for bed. Because that's when like the softcore porn stuff would start on like late night oh, HBO no. before it like shifted over to Cinemax and stuff like that. So like if you, if you just delayed a couple seconds longer, you might see like a boob or something here or there, which was pretty good as like 11 or 12 year old me. But no, my, my funny story from this, I don't remember a whole lot of the episodes. I, I remember the Crypt Keeper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the Crypt Keeper was the thing that I remembered. I, I couldn't tell you a story that actually showed up on Tales from the Crypt, but I could tell you a bunch of stuff about the Crypt Keeper and like the weird getups that he'd wear. I remember him wearing like a Hawaiian shirt with like a lay on and he had like a, a old fashioned like Polaroid camera at one point. But the funniest thing, and this maybe was just funny for me, my dad used to call the Crypt Keeper Tito. He used to call him Tito. He said, this guy looks like Tito. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Apparently, he worked with a guy named Tito at work who says he looked oh, no. like the Crypt Keeper. So first of oh, all, no. I never met this real-life person that my dad says looks like the Crypt Keeper, but I grew up thinking the Crypt Keeper's name was Tito. So people looked at me like Sean's looking at me right now, like, okay, that's, <laughs> you call him Tito? That's pretty fucking weird. But yeah, to me, he'll, he'll always be Tito. Wow. You know the Crypt Keeper. Uh, I, I just thought of, there was a one other horror anthology live action show that was going on. Uh, it actually probably ended right before this show. It was from 1988 to 91. It was called Monsters. I don't think I've ever and heard of it, that. It was a really weird. Uh, it it didn't feel like it was a children's TV show, but there were just a lot of really kind of uh, similarities to the Tales from the Crypt. Um, but it was, it was on, it was not on a, a premium channel, so I could watch it very easily oh. and it came on television very regularly. And so I was able to, to watch a lot of that. So I think that that sort of peppered a lot of my views so that when, uh, when I was with my dad and he was like, do you want to watch Tales from the Crypt? I, I was very curious and intrigued to get into, you know, such a, an interesting anthology series. Yeah. I, I will say this. I do remember one really, really weird episode that I watched with my dad, which was about uh, people trying to understand like when the soul leaves the body and, and sort of some guy who was attempting to figure out when the soul leaves the body and trying to capture that like unquantifiable mass of a soul in order to better understand it. And he was doing that by killing people. Oh, that makes and, sense in these like very gruesome fashions. And so, but he was doing it sort of like weirdly torturous where he was doing it very slowly in order to, to understand like how the soul was coming out. That was I, like you said, like you said that you couldn't remember any episodes. That was like the one, the one that is sort of like stuck in my head for, for a very long time. Well, interesting little known fact about that particular episode. It served as the basis for the death cab for cutie song. When soul meets body. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting that you brought that one up. I walked right into that. <laughs> it's fine. I was sitting here just like thinking like, what the fuck's the name of that band? You um, know, the crazy thing is, is that Ben Gibbard listens to this show because he, he messaged does. me the other night yeah. and he was just like, please never mention my band name 
and it's and ties to the crypt keeper. The and the t- he's like, we really, we, we did a lot with sort of like borrowing and yeah. taking some artistic license. And I was like, fair enough. So, so but really Sean sorry. didn't pass a message really sorry, to me, ben. so that's on me. So, sorry, mm, Ben. Don't know what to do. Just go, go set a grapevine on fire. Anyway, um, no, I don't remember any of, the, any of the actual episodes, but it's weird because I can sit here and remember like watching the marathons of like Twilight Zone or Are You Afraid of the Dark or yeah. you know, X-Files and stuff when it was more of an anthology show. Um, rather than a serial. So like I'm assuming maybe the episodes weren't great. Can't really remember them. Or maybe <laughs> it's just because we were younger. I have no idea. But the one thing that kind of parallels between the live action show and the and the cartoon show is similarities in the theme song. They actually did a pretty good job of kind of like cartoonizing the theme song and bringing it into the cartoon. And then their intro was actually it was pretty interesting. I thought it was interesting, but what was your take on it? No, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Uh it was sort of that same like dun 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 that is synonymous with the live action version right. of Tales of the Crypt Keeper. Uh the only difference is, is that in this cartoon version of it, at least for the first season, we sort of had a monster montage as a kid is riding his bike towards a haunted house. Yeah. Which first and foremost, a kid riding his bike towards the haunted house that mm-hmm. sort of seems like he's rushing into danger mm-hmm. in those moments which is so what i, like, I want to watch yeah so uh, there's this good for you kid <laughs> good for you for being uh somebody of a, a stronger moral constitution than i yeah. was at that age <laughs> <laughs> with a cooler bike so he is 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 barreling towards this house and and, and as he's in motion uh, bats are swirling around him. These gargoyles are, are waking up and coming to life. This Frankenstein's monster is getting electrocuted in the basement. And, you know, he, he rushes in through the house past all of these monsters. He doesn't really seem to, to pay them a second thought. And then he, he finds on that, that, I don't know why there's always, there has to be that bookcase with sort of that, that book. Because it's so that cool, it, man. It is. It, who, who has not, <clears throat> been in a house or in an apartment and like and thought to themselves i would really love to just put like a sliding bookcase right here i always every once in a while i go to my actual just bookcase uh which is i can see the wall behind it and i just pull it out just maybe just in case maybe the you know landlord came in put a rotating doorway in there but no he never does he never <laughs> just did. looking for that narnia yeah but you know it, he creeps past all these monsters mm-hmm. uh without any problem and then oh they're chasing him though so we should mention that right. like he's flying by him again towards yeah. danger but they're all chasing him and it looks so, pretty like he keeps looking over his shoulder like oh he's gonna get me so you're not sure quite what's going on and this theme song is still playing the whole time so it's it's a fun kind of ride but yeah go ahead. but he he gets that basement right. and there's a chair that's sitting in front of the fire mm-hmm. and it's just the crypt keeper who kind of looks back at him very suddenly like hey how's it going and he has a reaction where he's suddenly in that moment frightened at what he's been doing. And kid, your trajectory has been <laughs> running towards death. Mm-hmm. What literal, the fuck did you like think? What did you think death. was going to happen? Which is amazing. So, and in that moment, all of the monsters finally catch up with him. Yep. And he's trapped. He's of, cornered. He's cornered. And then they, they put their hands sort of menacingly. You see these paws on this kid's shoulder, and they push him down. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Kid's about to and get they eaten. P- 
push him down into a seated position on a couch. A super comfy s- couch. Like super and then comfy. sit down next to him on this super comfy couch with some popcorn. Yeah. And they're just like, we're ready to watch this thing. And yeah. You're like, okay. It was pretty cool. great. It was pretty great. And I actually really that, enjoyed that. Yeah. And then there's that infamous like cackle, mm-hmm. you know, from the Crypt Keeper. And it segues into the show. I thought it was really fun. I mean, honestly, the, in the live action, I remember the lead up to the Crypt Keeper himself because it was like this low angle shot. Think like Sam Raimi's like Evil Dead. Yeah. Early, early days of him, like low angle shot, the camera kind of creeping along the ground in like the misty cemetery kind of thing. And then like it looks up and you see the this dilapidated haunted house at night and you just kind of like creep through the house and bust through these like creaking doors and pass all this creepy stuff on the walls. And then you get down into the, the basement where the Crypt Keeper is. And then he turns around and gives that screech. So it was that same kind of like um, spirit, but definitely for kids. Because it was like, if we scared you by this introduction, <laughs> once you get to hang out with these universal monsters, you just hang out. Like, it's totally cool. We're just going to have monster popcorn. We're going to look at this uh, rotten corpse, and he's going to tell us a story. Everything is totally fine. We rounded up every single monster that we could find yep. from the movie Monster Squad. That's right. And we, we invited them all down. And we didn't pay any licensing fees, so you can't call them by name. But here they are. Exactly. That's pretty good. <clears throat> now let's let's talk about the Crypt Keeper for a second because he's really like the the linchpin of this show. How would you describe his appearance versus the or just in general? How would you describe his appearance? So I, I we I mean we talked about the whole idea of his appearance in the live action show right. and just sort of how decrepit and and almost transparent and and obscure a lot of his his features and his skin is which you could do because um, it was a practical creation it was a puppet right, exactly basically. Yeah. and i and i loved that i love that this was you know during the point where we were not doing things that were so cg heavy uh you know and that moment where the crypt keeper in the live action would kind of burst out of his coffin right was always sort of like a you know like a, a little jolt yeah yeah you know you, you kind of had that moment you're like oh god okay yeah, because he was creepy there. looking muff. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's leaping from this coffin at the beginning of the show with that cackle. It's like there's no there's no you don't know when the <laughs> coffin opens and when the cackle begins, but they are all happening together. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Ooh, okay, I'm cool. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm in the show. That's Let's right. do this. Let's do it. So with this, you know, because they're given the the artistic license of creating him for an animated show. Sure. He has the ability to be a little bit more mobile. A lot more mobile. A lot more mobile. So let's put it this way. He's pretty good. Like, he, he's he, looking... he looks like if this was in the same universe as the live action show, it looks probably a good 20 years earlier before he's the looking... rotten decay has kind of set in. <laughs> he's looking real svelte, mm-hmm. taking real good care of what he's got left. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, you know, you got to... You got to take care of what you got during the time that you're around. And even after the fact, you know, he's looking, he's looking pretty trim, looking pretty fit. Now, I mean, there's nothing to say, like, he's the Crypt Keeper, right? There's nothing to say that he's, he's dead. There's nothing to say that he was a corpse and just happened to be like, he's just like, he's almost like a grave digger or like a caretaker at this sure, point. Anyway. I mean, you know, there's nothing to say that he's dead other than the fact that he's missing a majority of his throat, mm-hmm. uh, a majority of his mouth right. and his face and part of his head. You know, and probably still, internal organs and sure. blood supply, can, uh, which would explain his color. His color is not great in either version. Looking real jaundiced. Eh, it's more like a bluish, a bluish kind of green, like that that kind of mottled corpse bloat color. He's looking. You know that Crayola jaundiced. crayon mottled corpse bloat? That's the color oh, yeah, he that. looks like. 
<laughs> that you give to Because every kid was like, burnt sienna, mm-hmm. corpse bloat. Corpse bloat. I want corpse, corpse bloat. bloat. I want to make a corpse bloat sky. Well, oh boy. we're going to get you professional help, but you go ahead and do what you got to do, said my mom. So, yeah, he's a little different than uh, the live action version, but <laughs> so, so it wasn't like terrifying for kids, but he was also kind of like a weird looking dude. He looked like your grandfather if you like put him in a suit that was too big and he was also maybe dead. But other than that, I so don't think it was super big. scary. So it's like Weekend at Bernie's. It's like Weekend at Bernie's, but with a Crypt Keeper if that it, tells you stories. If they had like left him outside for like a right, week. Right, yes. He definitely had a little like... bit of like a fluid buildup thing going on. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. For kids. Oh, boy. But it wasn't gross. He just looked unnatural. No. I'd say unnatural yeah. is probably the kindest way to describe him. Sure. Which is pretty good, because I mean, when we see him at the outset of this uh, first episode we'll talk about, He's actually like literally in a jogging suit on a treadmill. So yeah. was it a treadmill? No, though? it wasn't a treadmill. I wanted to save the or puns. Save the puns as long as I could. Or did they add so, so much this, puns? This is my favorite part because if you've ever watched the live action, they do a great job of doing sort of these these non sequitur intros with the Crypt Keeper into each episode. Right. And I love the fact that they preserved that for the cartoon. With embalming so, fluid, yes. Exactly. Yep. And so they, <laughs> so they, they, they kept those sort of intros to the episodes to sort of do a little bit of setup and let you know exactly what was going on and potentially introduce some characters. So I think that that, you know, based on the anthology of the show, does a great job of sort of, you know, leaning people into what's actually about to happen. Right. And so this... And so these intros are riddled, riddled with just nothing but dad jokes. It's, it's, every, <laughs> it's literally every line. I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. It's every line of dialogue, which is fun. It actually works pretty well because like once you get into it, it either drives you away instantly and you're irritated by it to no end, or you're like, okay, this is kind of endearing and just like really silly, but it's fun. I hate the fact that as I'm watching it the first time, I was kind of cursing at the TV when these came up, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, like it was nothing but eye rolls." Yeah. So I wrote, I wrote them down. I stopped because I wrote the first one down, and then I just said lots of puns, and I did I, not I wrote, write anymore. I wrote most of them down. Oh boy. And as I was sort of rereading my notes and going through everything for tonight, I started laughing at them, <laughs> just being like, "These are the worst." They're really bad. <laughs> these are the worst. And out of context, so... it's like, "Wait, what? Why are you speaking so weird?" Because he's but, saying the same stuff mostly. It's just like a little right. inflection here or there. But like we've we've watched some other like horror cartoons before, and those have not been great. No. And so this sort of seemed like it was, I don't want to say redemption in any way, shape, or form, but I mean, let's, this felt like it sort of It was of a more successful a, attempt, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, at least, at least there was cohesion, yep. and it felt like there was thought, <coughs> grooving ghoulies. Oh, and don't so remind like, me, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. There were no musical so, interludes in these episodes. Thank um, God. God. And so, you know, there were a lot of things that this had uh, a bit. It really felt like they went above and beyond yeah. to kind of give you that uh, cohesive narrative and also introduce you to the episode. And I think that shows the success uh, of the show. I mean, they felt the need to bring this back after a five-year hiatus for some reason. Right. You know, and, and that, that feels unheard of. You know, for five years to go up the air. Yeah, it's pretty you know, unusual. That, that feels feels pretty incredible. And so, um, you know, to, to be able to do that and get away with it, 
with dad jokes that i don't know that baffles my mind i think it i think it works because it's only for like a brief he's only got like a 30 45 second intro to these uh these episodes and that's about it you don't spend a whole lot of time with him you get the intro and you get the outro that's it right so i think if you like condense them in enough and you know that it's part of his character that it's fine it works yeah because nobody else really does it um so it's not like you're just getting them constantly it's not the it's not the <laughs> backbone to the entire series so i think that, that I, works pretty well i'm very curious if if anybody's listening to this and they have not watched the live action and you guys go back and actually check this cartoon out mm. I'd be very curious to get your reaction to seeing this for the first time with some of these jokes, uh, not having the exposure to something that, you know, was sort of a, a cult HBO phenomenon in the right. 90s right. uh, that, that ended up as a, as a cartoon uh, during the same time. And so, you know, you, the live action intro was always pun heavy, but, you know, it was, it was supposed to be a little bit more, I want to say ghoulish. Yeah, it was a little more adult, too. They can get away right. with a lot more. These are more just like easy dad jokes. And if you yeah. take Sean's advice and go back and, and check out the cartoons, we are going to suggest maybe two episodes you, you'd like to start with. And there's the two we're going to talk about tonight. They're the highest rated ones on IMDb so far. Right. Uh, and so far, it's not like they're making new ones. It's just the, the <laughs> highest rated ones on IMDb. I, w- I won't be surprised if in 2017, <laughs> if they bring this show back to I'd like, be guys, five year hiatus. And now, you know, Do we brought math. it back in 99, 17, 18 year hiatus. That's right. You know, coming so, to Comic Con 2017, ooh, probably not. Voiced by Sean and myself. Saturday morning cartoons production. Hey, you never know. If you if you're listening to this and you are actually working on this, please let me know. I would love to audition for the role for Crib Keeper. Sure, such a great part. I'll do all the creaking doors and like weird shuffling footsteps. <laughs> I'll just be Foley man. No, if you want to yeah. check out some episodes, uh, we're, we watched <laughs> season one, episode eight, called "Hide and Go Shriek," which we'll talk about first. Now, I say hide weirdly because it's spelled with a Y, which will make sense in a little bit. And we also watched uh, Season 2, Episode 8, Growing Pains. Um, both of these have a common theme in that they focus on a nerdy character named Wendell. And they're also the highest rated on IMDb. So I don't know if it's Wendell Power or they just happen to like these particular episodes. Or if they really just like watching or seeing scenes of the two uh, Twin Towers in New York City over and over and over again. Ah. <sighs> Can we talk about that for a second so I can get that out of yeah, the way? Yeah, let's, let's get into that. This one, after the intro, so we're talking hide and go shriek. After the intro, they make it very obvious that we're in New York City, and then very obvious again that we're in a suburb of New York City, just outside right. the, the city itself, uh, because they just show the, the two towers. They show the Twin Towers standing there, World Trade Centers, uh, obviously, you know, years, almost a decade before they went down. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. We're in New York City. It's an iconic building. Not a big deal. You see them in these two episodes alone. You see them about six times. <clears throat> they bring them up frequently. It's six times because I made a note every time it happened, and it's just oh, like no. it's their. It's one of their only establishing shots. It's like, it, look, establishing shot one one. If you start big, start wide, like America, okay, and then you focus in. <laughs> okay, now we're in New York City. Like that's fine. And then you focus in, and you're like in Hell's Kitchen. Okay, we're good. Everybody knows where we're taking place. You don't need to keep re-establishing that we're in new york city i don't think at the time it would have been a big deal but now it was just like uh every time with this cartoon twin towers yeah yeah but other than that uh animation wise there wasn't anything too wonky except a couple of missing eyes here and there yeah that was a little disturbing i was wondering if the hide and go shriek was the fact that some of the animators missed 
certain keyframes that I were think in so. here. And so the idea was that they were hiding where those keyframes were located, and so you're supposed to be kind of freaked out. It, it, felt, it felt glitchy on the same level that if you're playing a video game and then you sort of go in that third-person perspective and you rotate around and then a character just kind of like completely like wipes their face out and you sort of see like just the just like the, the jagged polygons of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like behind it and you're like should not have been playing fallout 4 this long nope. and it, it like you know it just some of it gets a little bit weird but it, it's thankfully it doesn't happen too often now these are minor things too it's just yeah. stuff that caught our attention like i, I sent a, a screen cap to sean there's a moment where one of the characters is like falling down and as he falls backwards, there's a frame, a single solitary frame where his eyes, they forgot to like color them in white. So his eyes just go black and he looks like his soul's being sucked out of his face. It's so disturbing out of context. But in the show itself, it wasn't too bad. It just caught my attention because it happened that fast. I think it's also hard too because, you know, we've watched, we've watched so many cartoons that like when we watch these things, if, even if we really enjoy something... Yeah. There's a part of us that's like, we, we want to get critical. We want to find not something that we don't like, but we just, we want to find something that maybe we missed or something that we, right. as a kid, when we were watching it, that we didn't see on the first pass. Right. So more of a critical find, and analytical eye. Yeah. Oh, when we find these things, it's just, it's, it's a little bit upsetting, but it's also passable too. Look, I mean, there's one thing if you like aren't coloring in a background, you're just using like a solid color as a background as a way to like save money. That's cheap, but it's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. When you when you like miss You're an lazy, eye, I am too. when you have a lazy eye, that's like not <laughs> intentional. You didn't mean to do that. It's just like this weird side effect thing that's just like super creepy. This is the creepiest part of the whole episode, to be honest with you. I, I really think that sometimes when they do lazy eyes, I'm like they're trying to relate because like everybody grew up with a kid with like a that had a friend that had a lazy eye, and you're like this isn't too weird out of the norm. Like it happens all the time, you know. Don't don't look at it like it's some oddity. You know, your friend probably has it, so just be chill about it. Just tell him to draw his people in the center next time, and he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, you want to? Where do you want to start with this one? Do you want to start with the Crypt Keeper's intro, since he wrote down a lot of his puns, or do you want to dive into Wendell's story? You know, I, I almost want to say that these these dad puns. If you watch the show, yeah. if you enjoy the live action, and you want to get into this, I almost want to say the dad puns for sort of your eye rolls and your groans because. It's going to happen in every episode, whether you oh, yeah. want it to happen or not, you know, um, so it can get there. So I, let's get right into the episode. Okay. Because when, because this is all about Wendell right now. All this is a Wendell dance Wendell. party. And where does it take place in again? Uh, New York City. Oh, that's right. Because of the six establishing shots. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You really got to get that. So yeah, so Wendell's like a high school kid. Um, he's nerdy. He's kind of underdeveloped, but he's a go-getter. He really wants to play football with his, uh, his friends out there hanging around playing ball on the field but um it doesn't work out too well yeah and let's let's be honest he's doing everything that he can to fit in everything he given can. the circumstances and and what and his place in life let's let's also describe wendell briefly uh how would you let, let, if i said nerd and if i said nerd stereotype of like the mid 90s what are the first couple things that come to mind we'll see if we can check the boxes if uh, they apply to wendell uh glasses check. A, a love of of science and maybe the arts check um and like visual descriptions a, if there's anything that comes to mind uh like a like a pocket really, protector maybe oh pocket protector check, check. yeah uh i would say 
maybe an understanding but not a full grasp of sports check uh, like it maybe an inability to lift heavy objects that check super check 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 so wendell literally checks the boxes of all things nerdery uh in the mid 90s and for the most part these other kids aren't that different from wendell they're just kind of like normal kids with like normal builds except for one particular muscle head by the name of rex revis who this kid looks like if if everybody knew a kid with a lazy eye in school everybody knew at least one kid who was just like he developed like way too soon and weighed like 285 pounds of like solid muscle when he was like 12 which is always weird to me that's this kid yeah i, I had a friend growing up like that yeah. who unfortunately had a stutter oh and i i felt very bad because he I would, he would stutter and I would kind of point it out. Right. And then he would punch me a lot. Well. And then we got off the bus at the same bus stop. And as we were walking to our respective homes, he would just be like, hey, you want to come over and play video games? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was one of those things where, you know, he, he was working on it and he was getting better. And so I think there were moments or times that he appreciated being called out for it. Sure. So he knew what was happening. He, he wanted to know. And like he was, he was actively working on it the entire time. Uh, and I knew that I was pointing it out and I was being a dick. And he, and rightfully so, I got punched a couple times for it. And I didn't have a problem with that, uh, you know, because, you know, we got off the bus and like five seconds later, we were playing yeah. Twisted Metal on PlayStation sure. and everybody was cool. Well, and because it, so. that's how like normal stuff works. What, what yeah. is abnormal in this episode is that these kids keep picking. It's mostly this Rex kid. This Rex kid keeps picking on Wendell. They, you know, they tease him during the football game. They basically make him drop his shorts and somehow crash into like a fruit vending stand, which was I bizarre. Know. It was very, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty <laughs> exaggerated, but that's it's okay. like, it was a long shot as Wendell they, they ran. Went with it. Honestly, Wendell might be a closet athlete because he ran probably 150 yards. To yeah. cross that street and dive directly into the fruit stand. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't like make amends here. Wendell actually is the bigger character. So he always says like, oh, that's, that's funny guys. You really got me. Like he, he plays off the joke. He makes it seem like it doesn't really bother him and that's fine. And most of the other kids recognized it. They're now, like, oh, he's a good sport. Now, what grade would you place these guys in? Are they middle school or are they high school? I mean, they're, they were in high school in the second episode, and that was only a, you know, a season later. So at most, they have to be junior high, if not high school. Okay. So maybe 13, 14 to 15. Because they, they had this moment where, as everybody, everybody went through this, I feel like in the 80s and the 90s, where you suddenly transition to the gym class where you have to change your clothes. Right. To get ready, especially and when I, uh, I, swim, you know, comes time to oh swim. God, I hated those. Yeah. And and you had these, you had these moments where you know everybody felt uncomfortable. You had a, a, an authority figure that was sort of walking around policing everything that was happening, like happening at that time. And you were just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be, I don't want to do these things. Right. And and Wendell, for everything that has been thrown at him literally including a football and 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 just all of this crap that he has gotten from this group which we should say is composed of rex and we have chet Mm -hmm. and louie and chet and louie will show up again later but they're kind of like the main not really antagonists in this one so much but rex definitely is right so they're uh, they're more like pranksters sure yeah so we we have this moment where 
uh, all of a sudden there has been a, a prank that has been played on Wendell where they've opened up his locker when he's been at gym and they sort of like they tied knots in all of his clothing. Yeah, which at so first, like when they when they when they first open his locker, you just see all these like strips of cloth and rags like tied, but it looked like a wicker man or some sort of like right. weird voodoo ritual. I was like, what the fuck is about to happen? No, I it was just they were his clothes. Burn him in effigy towels. for like two yeah. seconds. I was like, Ugh. I thought they were just gonna burn him alive, man. But didn't uh, know what it was. No. But they, but uh, but Coach or uh, Mister Hupka, Hupka, Hupka. He comes out and, uh, you know, asks them, he's like, what's going on? And, and he kind of looks at Rex because he knows he's a bully and oh, yeah. knows that he, he knows. would do something like so this. So this is like be... the opposite of every trope gym teacher because he actually, like, right. knows what's happening and he stands up for the kid who's getting bullied, which never right. happens in the movie. And actually says to Wendell, he goes, you know, you're, own, you're too nice for your own good. And then he says to Rex, I thought I told you to lay off this kid. Yeah. And then he actually gets all the other kids in the locker room to throw their dirty stinking towels on Rex because he's hiding in the laundry basket. So I thought that was pretty funny. But that backfires on Wendell because, you know, like Louie and Chet, they're like, all right, Wendell's okay. He can take a joke. But Rex is like, no, man, I'm going to fuck this kid up. And he doesn't really say that because it's kid show. But basically yeah. you get the intent that he, he's not satisfied until he basically ruins Wendell. So this is like a little sociopath here. Right. Yeah. So we get to the moment that I, I called, well, this is how school shootings start. Yikes. <laughs> Which is, we have Wendell in a classroom uh, demonstrating that he has a rat. Yeah, what's that rat's name? Uh, it's Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. We have uh, Dr. Jekyll the rat, and Wendell is saying, this rat is my best friend. Best friend? That's, He's grown up real big and fat. That's a check mark. If you're looking for nerd, mm-hmm. refer to an animal that you know is something that we consider to be potentially a pest mm-hmm. and, and as a your disease best vector yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. <laughs> as your best friend source of as the plague best friend. best friend best friend yeah plague friends plague friends so, for life <laughs> in this moment rex is like whatever uh and pulls the rat out of the cage and just lets him and sort of just Let's him go. Well, like, he, he like drops he of... drops him down Wendell's back to be like a, a right. oh I'm a funny prankster I'm gonna make him writhe around in agony <laughs> from this right. plague rat. So this this rat after it has climbed around through all of Wendell's clothing and his shirt and everything and then Wendell falls and everybody's oh, laughing he gets at tripped. him. Yeah, another kid trips him. Right. So it was oh, like God, insult to injury. Right. Yeah, another kid trips him oh. too. Because they make a big point of showing this establishing shot of legs. Yeah, just and skinny then somebody's legs. leg. Yep. Just shoots right out. Yep. And Wendell's like skinny old like Doug Funny leg, like a skinny little ankle and this big clod hopper of a of a foot. Yeah. <laughs> so he falls over. So the rat jumps into sort of the air grate. Right. So he's gone. And and is yeah. Which so, now at yeah. this point I didn't expect like after seeing everything that Wendell went through, I was not expecting this to happen next. Right. I didn't either. Yeah. But he gets up and he threatens Rex. Yeah, this was like the his... trigger moment, man. And his exact line is because, you know, look, you should be nice to everybody, right. but, you know, let's be honest. Kids can be really shitty. Sure. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you went through school in the 80s or the 90s, uh, kids were probably shitty to you mm-hmm. um, as they were to myself and, and Dave. Sure. And, and we so, were too. And we were also shitty to other kids. Yeah, kids are shitty. And so kids are shitty we're not we're not above that we learn from that and we hope to be better human beings in the future 
I'm still hoping to be a better human being in the future. Until the day we die or become crypt keepers. Exactly. And so we have Wendell that gets up and he's hit that point where he has snapped. Yep. Yeah. Like, there, is, there is no more. He is not coming back from this. You just lost his best friend. You just gave his disease vector friend an out to go in. And he gets up and looks at Rex and just says, I'm going to make you pay. And I was like, Ooh, oh, no. boy. So, yeah, if this was set like 10 years later, Wendell would probably sadly come back in and lay waste to the school with an assault rifle. However, what he does in 93, 93, uh, he does something I didn't really expect, but it also made me feel really bad for Wendell because I went through like a similar thing. He basically tries to go straight to the weight room and thinks that by like lifting a few weights, he's eventually going to be big enough to take on this, you know, prehistoric looking caveman creature known as Rex, Rex Rebus. So like he's in there, he's trying to lift weights, he's trying to do bench press, but he's like scrawny, he can't lift anything. So Chet and Louie find out that he's in there and they're like, dude, no, this is like, if you want to get back at Rex, there's a better way to do it. And I thought they were going to say like, use your scientific knowledge or use your brain or don't try to fight them. They're like, no, what you need is straight up fucking steroids. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they don't come out and say you need steroids. They say essentially something like um, a special all organic program that'll put muscles on muscles for days. Yep. Which is steroids. <laughs> So, I mean, the, the cool thing about this show so far, right, some things, some things followed in the way that you would expect. So you would expect bullies to bully the nerd. You would expect the nerd to get upset and want to fight back some way. What you wouldn't expect is maybe for other kids to stand up and say, like, it's okay, we'll help you out. And you also wouldn't expect them to just be like, we're going to get you some steroids from my dad's health food store. <laughs> Wait, you own, your dad owns a health yeah, food store? Yeah, that was like the shocking moment of the episode. Not the fact that what, what's about to happen happened, but that his that dad was, owned a health food store. That was so funny to me. It, the, the idea that I guess everybody else's dad that's in this show so far either you know, works down in a quarry or a coal mine. Or, <laughs> of New York or City. In a, in a garage. The famous <laughs> New York City coal mines. <laughs> so, you know, all... You assume that all of these kids that are being such shitty bullies have, you know, dads that have like rough and tumble, oh, real yeah. serious yeah. jobs. I'm sure, they're at the factory um, or the, they're probably a beat and, cop or something. Yeah, right. Firefighter, EMS, and so I've seen some and lived through some shit. They work down at the nine nine. Yeah, exactly. Damn it! And so you know, you get you get all these people who you you think are going to be crappy, and then Chet is just like immediately is like, oh yeah, my dad don't don't talk about this. My dad owns a health food store. Let's, let's not be. And then everybody's super excited about it, which was even weirder. Yeah. It must've been that like early nineties health food phase or something. I don't know what it was, but I love, I love the, that they do this because it is kind of like a little bit of a satire here. They break in more or less to the health food store and they find like this dusty closet way in the back and they go to the top shelf and dig like this old tin. And did you see when they lifted the tin up, what was on the bottom of it? It was the face of the Crypt Keeper. Like, he's had stickers. Like, he, he had, like, endorsements of things. So it's the face of the franchise that shit out. He could have. Well, especially this stuff. So, I mean, that, that's fun because right there, it not only clues back into him, but it tells you, like, oh, shit, something supernatural and, like, wacky is about to happen. So, basically, they take this stuff down. It's called <laughs> Zen Master Chen's Old Yarrow Root Tea. If you oh, out there God. can find some of this stuff, please send all of it to me because I will, I will pay you handsomely for it. Uh, and, you know, yeah. the reason that Dave wants it is because all of the Kung Fu masters use it. Yeah, it's going to turn you into a battling beast. 
overnight. So says Chet. Uh, so it's basically just like a, a tin of tea bags, right? And he's like, well, Wendell's like, oh, well, how much is it? Does this stuff really work? And Chet's like, yeah, yeah, totally. And how much money do you have? Which is like the classic, like, how much does it cost? Well, how much do you have? So exactly. Wendell hands over like 40 bucks and Chet gives him back three tea bags. Right. Uh, this, this line that happened when Wendell walked out of the room <laughs> made me laugh. So I love I love this because I I I couldn't figure out at first if they were just celebrating in a weird way or if they were actually going to do the thing that they said they were going to do. So go ahead. So so Chet and Louis look at each other. So they they yeah they've got Wendell's money. Wendell took off with the tea, his drugs basically. So they they look at (laughs) they look at each other and they just go, forty bucks. Let's go squander it needlessly. Guys, I I'm not a kid anymore, but I still. I get 40 bucks. I'm going to squander it. Squander like a, it needlessly. Oh, but like didn't you crazy, hear what they like said after that? What was the next thing? Oh, my God. So they say, let's squander it needlessly. And then they kind of look at each other and they jump off the steps and they just both yell, bungee. What? Yeah. That's why I wrote what? down. I was like, bungee? I was like, are they just what yelling the bungee? Fuck? And then spoiler alert. No, they fucking went bungee jumping with 40 bucks <laughs> <laughs> off screen somewhere. <laughs> Because later on in the episode, when we see them again, they're like, man, that was such a great jump. I'd totally do it again. I'm just like, holy shit, they actually went bungee jumping. Yet another (laughs) thing of the 90s. Uh, So while Chet and Louie are off squandering money needlessly on bungee jumping, uh, Wendell's taking that tea. Taking that tea with a vengeance. Yeah. What was interesting here is that 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 plays by the rules, right? That seems like something that Wendell would do. But what's interesting is that the way it all plays out eventually in the end Wendell had like he had a a higher plan going on here. Wendell actually put some thought into this, which I thought was pretty clever. And you you think for somebody who is as smart and as conscientious of a student as Wendell mm-hmm. that he wouldn't be this devious. I was proved wrong. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, and I like the fact that it was just like straight up Wendell gets this tea bag stuff, and then the kids go bungee jumping. And the next thing we see, we're on the main streets of New York in the middle of the night. You hear this like howl, like wolf howl, and it's something that scares off two kind of nasty looking dogs that are in the alley. And you're like, oh, this must be some, yeah, yeah. some crazy shit. And it turns out that it's basically just a werewolf. So there's this werewolf stalking around. He scares off the dogs. He destroys a newspaper stand. He ruins a car driven by some weirdos who are out let's, joyriding. Let's talk about this car with these weirdos. Okay, let's talk about them. Calling you... all babes. Calling <laughs> all babes. Yeah. Ladies, does that work? Ladies. No. Ladies. Ladies. Uh, that does not work for women. Calling all babes. Dude just leaning out the car window, <laughs> screaming that over and over again. There's no one in sight. There's just it's rabid amazing. dogs and a werewolf. Yeah, who was he, who was he hoping to attract? A werewolf, apparently. With- with screaming, calling all babes. Ugh. These guys deserve what they got, which was nothing. Yeah. They just ran away, but their car got ruined. So there's basically this werewolf running around, which is obviously, say it together. Wendell. When, yes, Wendell, right. Oh. No, it was totally Wendell, right? What were you going to say? Nothing. No, no, I was okay. going to say Wendell. All right. Yeah. Uh, so it's Wendell. Uh, and the right. funny thing is because he wrecks like the newspaper stand, apparently that translates into... Front page of the newspaper, monster on the loose, monster chase. So, like, everybody in New York City now knows there's a monster on the loose. And what city are we in? Uh, we're in New York City still. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're Just still in sure. no, New York City. Yeah. 
Great. Uh, full of mines and quarries. So Chet and Louis see this. Um, I mean, at one point, probably Chet and Louis see these these papers, and they, to their they credit, immediately to their credit, immediately it was great. They're like, "Fuck, Wendell's a monster." <laughs> It was great because when does a cartoon do that? Watch any episode, season, run of Scooby Doo. It takes them 27 minutes to figure out who the monster is, right? They were just like, fuck, Wendell's a werewolf, um, which was great. So then they go to warn Rex. They're like, dude, we know you had beef with this guy. He's a werewolf now. You should probably just like apologize and squash it. Yeah. Well, Rex obviously thinks they're insane. And he's like, whatever, man. If he's coming at me, I'm ready for the opportunity to throw down. So, so Rex is looking is- for him, yeah. There is so much stuff yeah. that happens in this scene <laughs> where they confront Rex and tell him, A, Rex is in disbelief that Chet's dad again yeah, owns a health food store. That's the first store. thing. He's like, we're at my health food store. Your dad owns a health food store? Love it. It's pretty great. So there is the next moment where they say, haven't you read the front page of the newspaper? And Rex just goes, if it ain't in the sports yes. section, I ain't reading it. Yes. I want to commend Rex on his commitment to sports. To masculinity. To sports. To just, just to masculinity all as a babes. whole. He is, he, he is going to be, once he gets his driver's license, once he, once he he's gets He's going to be drunken in jail. He's, yeah, he's going to be an offender and should be locked away forever. But he <laughs> just feels the need to, to, you know, to just be so... He's like that guy that, like, if he accidentally, like, if you accidentally touched his hand mm-hmm. when you were at, like, in an event. As another he'd be dude. Like, he'd be like. What, are you queer or something? What, 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 what did you just do? And then he'd, like, pummel you he'd for that. just snap your spine. Yeah, to, like, teach you a lesson. I really felt like the more we watched Rex, Rex's character evolve over this episode, I was like, there's, there's got to be something else going on here. like. There's got to be something in terms of just like how how strong of a personality he is and what he's doing and just sort of, you know, the, like what he chooses to do with his time. I was like, if this is going to be the guy who comes out like when he gets to college, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be happy for him, you know, like that's oh, fine. That? But- See, no, I went in a complete different direction. I was like, this guy's just a straight up grade A asshole. Like, I hope that he gets what's coming to him, which... Yeah, no doubt that he's a grade-A asshole, but he's probably a grade-A asshole that loves dudes. Eh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong he with that. He and Wendell end up together. Spoiler alert. Oh, so that's kind of sweet. All right, so uh, do you have any more, any more lines from their interaction? Because I have one that I wrote down here. Oh, no, please go This ahead. one just made me laugh. I don't know if they meant to have this sort of like weird... It's not really an in-joke. It just made me think it was. So it's Chet and Louie talking to Rex, and they're like, you know, Wendell, blah, 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 he's a werewolf. And Rex doesn't listen to him. He's like, and then Chet goes, it's about the T-Rex. And I don't know if that was like a really lame <laughs> T-Rex joke. If that was like the premise for this whole fucking episode was somebody made the T-Rex joke. But I was like, oh, okay, let's just move it on. So it might have been. It might have been a really bad T-Rex joke. I hate that. His dad owns a health food store. Uh, what? My dad owns a dealership. Anyway, so let's get to the fun part. Uh, so Rex goes out more or less looking for Wendell, or he's just, he's just walking home from the basketball court because, yes, he plays basketball too. And uh, he's just bouncing the ball, heading home through the streets of New York, and Wendell's waiting for him. But it's just Wendell. It's just not werewolf Wendell. It's just regular old Wendell. Just sitting there with his right. pocket protector, just hanging out. What's he have with him? 
Uh, he's got some tea. He's got a little thermos. A little thermos of tea. Thermos full of tea. And I love that Rex even stands there and looks at him. He's like, oh, you got your, uh, you got your little potion there? You got your little magic drink? Go ahead, little crybaby. Let's drink it up. Wendy. Keeps calling him Wendy. He's prodding at him. He's poking him. He even hits him at one point. Doesn't he like knock him back into the into the shadows? He's or he's he's oh, he throws passing the basketball. a basketball yeah. to him and he's pushing him back. And so there gets to a point where he pushes them sort of into this the shadow of this dumpster. Sure. And all of a sudden the ball does not come out. <laughs> yeah. For a second, you're like, uh oh, oh. And then it just comes out as like a deflated lump yep. uh, of plastic. And you're like, oh no, he's turned into it. And and that moment. Wendell has become yeah. You get to see this, this this transformation, which was pretty cool. Right. I didn't think they were going to actually show him go through the transformation, which I mean, it wasn't the scariest thing you'd ever seen, but it was pretty good for a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. So he becomes this, and then in that exact moment, Rex tries to get away, Heck yeah, and falls into a crack house. Yeah, he somehow just, just stumbles <laughs> into this rundown crack house that's like this, doesn't this have any flop house. Yeah. And they're just running through. It's like this dilapidated old house, and the Wendell's kind of toying with him. He's chasing him up and down stairs, but then he's just kind of like hiding in wait for him. This is right. one of the moments where you actually see Rex's eyes black go black, his soul escape. Yeah. And then he just continues to fall down the steps. It's the weird animation thing right. we were talking about earlier. But uh, yeah, Wendell gets managed to get a hold of his shoe. He chases him down the fire escape. He swipes at his clothes, so he, he's all torn up. And then he chases him up the fire escape and knocks him out the window. Unfortunately, Rex survives the fall because he falls into like a pile of garbage bags. And uh, right. before Wendell can get to him, he's scared off by the cops. So the cops show right. up. The saviors of the day. So the, the cops show up and are, they take him into custody. They're questioning him about what's going on. And they're just like, okay, a monster. Let's, let's, let's chill out. Everybody's like, seeing serious. monsters. He like picks up the everybody. front the page, uh, front page paper, and says like, "Yeah, everybody's seeing monsters." Everybody's seeing monsters. He's like, "What? What is the line?" Because there's that other cop standing next to him. He's like, "My landlady's seeing monsters. My garbage <laughs> man." And then the guy next to him's like, "Pizza delivery guy." He's like on the phone ordering pizza at this time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm drinking monsters. Drinking sponsored monsters, by Monster Energy monsters. Drink. This is crazy. You know, there's so much stuff going on, and so they. They get to this point where uh, they release him, and in this moment, Rex decides that he is going to take the law into his own hands, yeah. and he is going to fight fire with fire. Wolf with wolf. Monster with monster. T with T, basically, is what he does. Yeah. So yeah, he, so, head, he heads over to, uh, to Chet, and he gets the rest of this tea that he has. I love his method of preparing tea, by the way. This is the craziest <laughs> thing. He has like a kettle. Yep. Like he one of those old, old-fashioned, like big, uh, it's probably stainless steel, could have been ceramic, whatever, but yeah. like the big ones that look like a pitcher. So kettle, yeah. that sucker's boiling, the water's going. So he's just like, so he has uh, Louis and Chet break a cube of ice trays into this carafe yeah. uh, in order to cool it he's down, like, cool because it down. He's, he's, putting, he's putting all the all tea it. into it. And he's like, look, if Wendell got strong off of like one tea bag, he's like, and I'm taking five, I'm going to be five times stronger than he, he is. Did math. I'm like, and that's not great math, though. It's not great. Like, it's probably a real bad idea. It's really terrible. To do this math. amount of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> In the manner that um, you're taking it, which is really strange. <laughs> it's so, you know, they, he, he does this yeah. um, and he sort of uh, hulks out. Yeah, Chet and Louie book it. They are gone. Oof. They are out of Chet's father's health food store. He owns a health food store? 
He does. Thank That's you. so cool. <laughs> so they, they book it out, and uh, in the process of of doing it, uh, you know, uh, Rex now like Wolf Rex, and he looks badass. Is, I gotta say, like that yeah, is like he, this is like more like a werewolf that you expect to see. He's got kind of like yeah. the the bigger, broader chest and shoulders, the long fangs, the red eyes, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. He's not like that wussy werewolf yeah, Wendell. Wendy the werewolf over here. When Wendy the werewolf, he was uh he was real he was real fucking macho. It's like real tough, like I'd only read the sports section kind of werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh like he'd be like the dad werewolf to be like, I don't want to fucking come to your game because I gotta go drinking at the bar. Gotta go kind of a I gotta go slam these werebabes. <laughs> slam it toy. Yeah, hey, uh, Colin. I gotta hang out of a window and uh, howl at women and just be like, calling all where, babes, where you at? That's right. Where you at, babes? <laughs> <laughs> I lost it all that. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But yeah, that so kind of guy. <laughs> that kind of werewolf. You know the one, ladies. You've yeah, seen him on. around town. You've met you him at clubs. You know this alpha wolf. Sure. So we, we have this moment where uh, he is, he's hulking out. He breaks out of this health food store that Chet's dad owns. And <laughs> exactly, I know Chet's dad owns a health food store, so he breaks out into the street. And in this moment, the cops show up, uh-huh. and it is hilarious because this was this was like one of my favorite interactions of like the entire episode because it was so funny. Because immediately they pull out like somebody with like a trank gun, and they're like, "Trank him!" He's like, "Get the tranks!" <laughs> yeah, they were ready for this fucking wolf. One fucking shot, and he is down. Well, so here's the thing, and this. This, unfortunately, I don't want to bring the show down. We'll definitely pick it back up. But they say trank him. They shoot him with the trank. He just kind of like looks at him and he doesn't go down. So there's a shot where they actually go to one of the cops and he starts to pull his sidearm. And yeah. another cop next to him like puts his hand on, his, on the other cop's hand and puts it back down. He's like, no, 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 we're not going to shoot him. And I had to pause it and like I almost lost my fucking mind. Because right now, unfortunately, as Sean and I are recording this, we're coming off of like two back-to-back cop on... Uh, black people shootings and basically executions at this point. Um, and there's probably going to be more by the time this episode comes out, unfortunately. But I just, I had to write down in my notes, literally even the cops in this cartoon show show more restraint when faced with a fucking werewolf than cops in America. And I know that doesn't stand for all cops, but it is a problem that we have here. And th- just the fact that this showed up on this, this cartoon show of all things at this particular time, I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. But yeah. bravo to the, you cartoon cops for not shooting that werewolf just because he was a werewolf. Well done. Yeah. All right. So that aside, uh, the Trank does take this werewolf down, right? So they can take him into custody. Right. And then presumably once the super T power wears off, the, the dude's just going to turn back into Rex. Right. So Chet and Louie, brilliant uh, Sherlock Holmesian mystery solvers that they are, are like, holy shit, man, I bet Wendell, like, fucking planned this from the beginning, man. Whoa. And if he did, kudos to him. Yeah, good job, that Wendell. is playing the long game. Yeah. He's like, I'm only going to take one tea bag at a time. I'm going to be Wendy the werewolf, and then Rex is probably going to freak out and get arrested by the cops. Like, it's kind of convoluted, but hey, man, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out to, to his advantage, so kudos to him for, for being able to play the game and you know, get his friend arrested. Get arrested and put away for life as a murder monster. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good game, man. Pretty good game. So Rex may get to discover his true self in prison now. We'll never know. But it did work out pretty well for Wendell. Um, everybody kind of, like, respected that he stood up to Rex. But they also kind of kept their distance. Like, if they would start to make fun of him 
he just kind of looked at him and go woof, and they'd kind of run away. And then, guess, Which, yeah, I want I want to pause, yeah, pause for a moment. So I, I don't know that in in our our lexicon of, of sexual understanding that back in the '90s we understood what woofing at somebody meant. Okay. I just took this as um, like he was like reminding them that he was a dog monster creature. Sure, he did. But as somebody who has been woofed at by another man, oh. um, it's a, it was, it, for like two seconds I was like, well, that was off-putting. Wait, hold on. What's it mean when a dude woofs at another dude? <laughs> um, it just means that like they're interested. It means that it could be uh, potentially a, like in the gay community, it could mean that it's like a bear. Oh, that's weird. Because that's like when I would indicating or woofing. I, I was at I was at a I was at I was seeing Avenue Q in D.C. with some friends mm-hmm. who happened to be gay, mm-hmm. and I was standing outside the theater with them talking about the show post show, and somebody woofed at me, and I had I had I had no idea what it was, and then my friends were just like, "You were just woofed at by that dude," and I was like, "I don't I don't know I don't what that know means. what that means." Yeah, <laughs> like I don't. I would have no context. I'm, yeah, I had I had zero and I sat there looking at it. And so in this moment, I guess as an adult, for him to just look at somebody and just go, woof. I was like, oh no. See, no, I took it as like <laughs> I took it the other direction. So like if a guy looks at a girl, or I guess anybody could do this to anybody and just goes like woof. Like that's almost like a reaction, like, God, you are ugly. Like that that's what I remembered from back in the day, like in movies and stuff like that. Just like if somebody would go oh, okay. woof. But I guess it's just like the context. Because it's sort of like, you are so ugly that you have taken my breath away and made me make this sound involuntarily. <laughs> but no, so these are three very different instances I think we've got here. All of them are terrible, but I think Wendell's is probably the least harmful. Because he just woofed at him like a dog to remind him that he was once a werewolf. <laughs> We're learning a lot. Social interactions on Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, man. It's good times. But then, You'll learn but something. Then this is... This is a really positive moment because yeah, yeah. Dr. Jekyll is back in his locker. Welcome back, Dr. Jekyll and possibly Wendell, Dr. Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And so uh, Disease Vector Friend yeah. that's, is back and, yeah, yeah, and, and happy to be there. And I love the closing shot that Wendell, like in his locker, still has the thermos. So he may still have one tea bag left in case he ever needs it, which I thought was kind of yeah. cool. It was, a, it was an unnecessary thing, but it was a nice, nice little addition. So I thought that was pretty neat. Okay. So... That's the end of that episode, but it's not the way we close the episode out. So we got to go back to the Crypt Keeper, right? Right. What's he been up to this whole time? Uh, he's been continuing to, to work out, you know, understanding a little bit about Shakeology. Yeah, he's getting into the Shakeology a little bit. <laughs> Maybe... If anybody's ever done yeah. P90X. I'm currently doing that again, but not doing <laughs> Shakeology. <laughs> because I don't want to grow massive amounts of blonde curls from every part of my body. I love, I love, I will say this. This is the only dad joke that, uh, that I will say uh, about, about Rex, where Crypt Keeper just goes, tea bag about, Re- about old Rex. Oh, like, no. does it indicate, like, too, like too bad, bad about, tea bag about, about old tea Rex. Ba- oh, my God. Uh, I, I cringe laughed at that that's line. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But yeah, so, like, he's, he's been taking some shakes or whatever for, like, his health tonics and he's like pretending to read the instructions right they'll put scare on your chest it's so bad sean's got them all written down sean's gonna use these in a few years i'm sure um (laughs) 
But he's like, oh, I guess I should have read the instructions. And it literally just blonde flowing curls just start sprouting from like every inch of him. And that's kind of how they closed the episode. So it was kind of silly. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to have time to touch on the uh, second episode for tonight. But Sean, is there anything you wanted to mention from it? Anything that stuck out? Anything made it worth watching for people? Um, I will say that the, the one major difference mm-hmm. was, uh, so this episode that we watched, Hide and Go Shriek, was in season one. Right. The second episode that we watched that we're really not going to get a chance to, to talk too much about is called Growing Pains, and it's in season two. Right. And again, it follows the exploits of Wendell. And I, I will say that this was sort of an interesting episode because yeah. he sort of finds a, a lady love. It was so sweet. And it took me back to like kind of high school romance, but like one that actually worked out the way you wanted it to. It was actually really sweet, uh, except for the end, which was weird, but it all worked out well for Wendell <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it worked out for the best yeah. for him. Yeah. I want to say for us, we'd be like, I don't know what this is. No, I'd be totally, with, I'd be totally, burn it with fire. totally fine. Totally fine with it. Oh, you'd be totally fine? Yeah, I'm totally fine. Oh, as long as I never pissed her off, uh, uh, which would probably happen. Yeah, so I don't know. I might have to rethink that. So we had a, we had a lot of interesting things. The major difference for me was that the, the, the intro and the, the outro for each episode that's with the Crypt Keeper yes. is now... Uh, also introducing a an additional character which is a witch which is not just any old witch ah, but witch the is not just... old witch she literally yeah. announces herself as the old witch yep so that's the thing they decided to add which is a little strange yeah it's just this it was... weird framing story about like there's the old witch and another character who are like trying to take over the crypt keeper's spot of narration because they want a show of their own which is like, okay, yeah. why? I don't, whatever. And it just kind of, it's just kind of silly. There's nothing super. Oh, the only thing interesting is that her eyes also go over black too. But it's because I think yep. she has like black eyeshadow on the back of her eyes. But uh, just weird. Just weird. But that one, I'd say watch that one. It's a very sweet. You get to see Wendell kind of grown up a little bit. Chet and Louie are still around, still being jerks. Uh, but if you liked Wendell from that first episode, you get to see him again here. It also felt like between season one and two that they spent a little bit more time on sort of the, the budget and some of these backgrounds. Yeah, and the animation's a lot more detailed and it looks a lot better. Correct. It's a lot more cleaned up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Looks good, but hey, that's just our opinion. How would you like to read some other opinions out there, buddy? Uh, let's get back into Man, this. Man, we haven't done this in a while. This has been a segment that we've missed, yeah. and so we're bringing it back. All right. What you got? You want to take this first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many stars so is this, that? I think it's uh, 10. This is like 10? It's 10. So this is a 10 out of probably, probably 100. Oh, 100. Probably 100. 100 yeah. uh, this is 10 out of 10. This is from, uh, from somebody back in 2007. Uh, title is, I loved this back in the day. Mm-hmm. I really liked this show when I was a kid. So now when I watch it, uh, the nostalgia automatically makes me love it. It probably isn't too good if you don't watch it as a kid, but it is still a very good show. Not to sca- not not too scary, but T O, not T O O. not too scary, but since it was a kid's show, you can't expect much. Definitely worth a watch if you saw this show as a kid, or just like the original. I, I guess the original being the HBO series. Uh, if you remember correctly, the original voice of the Crypt Keeper does the voice for the animated show as well. As much as I love this show, I'll admit it was not as great as the original. Because of obvious reasons. But for a kid's show, it was damn good. Smiley face emoji. This person really seemed to have a hard time differentiating reality the from show fiction. behind the actual HBO show um, that was on. 
intended for adults. Poor nine Sam one. I worry about you every day, but I hope you're doing fine. <laughs> uh, we've also got a second opinion here from Op Prime or possibly OP Prime. This is from back in 2000. A review titled simply Thinking dot dot dot. <laughs> Think. Okay, now, now granted, this is called Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the animated series. And their message is as follows. Think Tales from the Crypt animated. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me, OP Prime. This series was a Saturday morning cartoon and aired in ABC. Being on ABC and on Saturday morning kept the show from living up to the live action show. It wasn't able to be as scary or funny with those restrictions. On its own, I'd say it was an okay show, but compared to the live action show, it does not measure up. So OP Prime, not a big fan. Uh, Nine Sam one, very confused, but 10 out of 10 stars. Uh, Sean, what's your reaction for uh, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which you can think of as Tales from the Crypt animated? Uh, I would say for Tales from the Crypt Keeper, mm-hmm. uh, I would say it's if you... If you watched the original and you enjoyed it, uh, if you watched the original HBO series and you enjoyed it and you'd like to kind of uh, delve into this a little bit more and check it out, I'd say it's worth a watch. Sure. It's, it's not something that is, it's not, it's not bad. I would say it's very middle of the road in terms of what you are going to come into with your expectations. I will say, though, that this show is not bad enough to get the dip. No, no, no dip tonight. I think that's no dip. over two for the dip. No dip. Yeah. Um, yeah. What so, were your thoughts, so I, I would say I would recommend it as well. And actually, as we were talking about it, I was thinking of the other kids' kind of horror anthology, Goosebumps. And that was a live mm. action, you know, based off of the R.L. Stein books. But there was a live action half hour series that I think was Saturday morning cartoons, uh, similar to that. So, like, if you watch that, or if you watch it with your kids, Tales from the Crypt Keeper is kind of similar. So you can use that as kind of a, a barometer to measure whether or not you want to, you know, watch this with your kids or just watch it by yourself, like we did. So, yeah, it's definitely not getting the dip. I'd say check this one out, whether you're familiar with the live action show or not. But, yeah. Cool. So, that's it. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Um, three out oh. of four CBS Saturday morning cartoons done. We got one left. <laughs> we'll oh tell you what that boy. is coming up. But first, Sean, buddy, what do you have coming up the next couple of weeks? Um, for the next couple of weeks, I am doing a lot of shows in Washington, D.C. We're doing some live improv comedy. You can check me out, as always, Wit dc.org i'll be performing every saturday night for the next couple weekends uh it's always 7 30 and it's it's pretty much throughout the entire rest of july and then into the first week of august uh, i'll be performing with nox that's n-o-x exclamation point and as always like i mentioned you can find out more information with dc.org um i have an improv festival that is coming up at the very end of the year so if you are in the tri-state area the the virginia baltimore dc geographic location and you are interested in coming to see live comedy we have some awesome headliner from chicago as well as also la uh it's going to be four days of a lot of really fun improv from across the country and we will be finalizing the schedule within the next month could not be more excited for this so i'm really pumped to, to have this uh take off and as always you can find me on twitter and the Instagrams at Sean Paul Ellis. Fantastic. We will have all of Sean's uh, scheduling information, contact information up on our website, so you can check that out. You don't have to write down a single fucking thing. And now, Dave, what are you up to, buddy? Uh, just up to the same old stuff. You can find me over at Collider.com and Nerdist.com, where I'm a uh, science freelance writer. If you're interested in some of my short fiction, you can head on over to DaveTrumbor.com and scope that out. 
If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at DrClawMD. If you want to find out more about the show, please check out our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, it's morning with a U. On Twitter, you can find us at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's brandy new handiwork on our Instagram page. He's been doing some fun stuff over there. He's having a good time with it. I think he really enjoys it. Uh, you guys have been fantastic on our Facebook page, so please keep that up. Keep the comments coming. We love talking with you. Uh, I posted something from Pokemon the other day, and somebody reminded us that we need to watch Card Captors. Ooh. Card Captors. It's one that escaped us the last time around, so we'll put that back on the list. Uh, nice. We've also got our YouTube page where these um, podcast episodes go up each and every week. And if you prefer the audio-only version, it's a free listen each and every week through iTunes and Stitcher. If you'd like to send us a note or suggest a cartoon for a future episode, please send us an email, saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com. That'll do it for 75% of Saturday Morning Cartoons CBS block. Sean, what you got, buddy? Just want to give a quick shout out to listener Lauren Taylor for saying that we should have gotten more into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song with Chuck Lorre. You are 100% correct. 100% correct. There's some really good information that's out there about Chuck Lorre writing the theme song. You can Google that, and we can also put a link up on our site for people to check yeah, out. Yeah, we'll go back and we'll go back and update the site. We'll we'll probably put a link up on the Facebook page too as well. Just like tag that with it because that was that was a pretty cool little side. Thanks to thanks to Lauren for uh, bringing that to our attention. We did not catch that one, so appreciate it. Yes, and we appreciate when you guys do reach out to us and just yell at us, tell us kindly that we missed stuff, or suggest that we you know do something different in the future. We love it. We just love <laughs> having the conversation with you guys because otherwise it's just me and Sean talking to each other like we've done for ten plus years. So. <laughs> What's the fun in that? But we're going to bring another fellow into the... What? We're going to bring another (laughs) voice into the fray to close out the CBS Saturday morning cartoons block. It's going to be an interesting one. You want to tease the listeners out there? Sure. We are bringing back Evan Valentine. Yeah, buddy. He is going to talk a little bit about Wildcats. Wildcats. If you liked X-Men or any, like, Justice League... On werewolf tea. On, on werewolf tea. <laughs> on werewolf tea steroids. If you like normal superheroes on werewolf steroid tea, you're gonna love oh. Wildcats. And if you love somebody screaming at you, you'll turn in. <laughs> you'll love, you love Evan somebody Valentine. screaming. <laughs> you love somebody screaming at you. Tune in for Evan Valentine next week. I have a feeling that Evan is gonna channel his Batman vs Superman rage into Wildcats, and the my microphone's just gonna explode. So it's going to be oh, a good God. time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Wildcats. Wildcats. Oh, boy. Well, this has been Saturday Morning Cartoons. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.